0: Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. Hello. In this episode, we'll talk about Carnival, uh, specifically around uh, management, valuation, uh, things that we didn't talk about in the first episode. So if you didn't check out the first episode, go check that out before you come to this one. All right, Hari, give us uh, give us the disclaimer to get started.
1: Yeah, this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are the podcast that helps you... Uh Grow your wealth and uh, understand the concepts behind value investing. We are not a uh, financial advisor. we don't know your specific financial situation so uh, if you're making any financial decisions, please consult with the particular advisor. Fantastic. All right um, so we were you know we were talking about carnival and how the uh, you know the business had some it was a very capital intensive business. you have to buy boats. Are very expensive, um, that there's lots of risks associated with customers not wanting to come back because this is a luxury vacation uh, for a lot of people. And, you know, that the economy is, you know, the world economy is kind of getting hit hard right now. Um, so, certainly some things to consider there. But if we just look at the historical uh, business, um, you know, if when things start to settle down, you know, what do you see as uh, is this a business that is able to take the moat that we talked about, which we said was a brand-based um, and that there was high barriers to entry? Uh, has that translated into a high return on capital um, and uh, and other types of profitability metrics?
0: Yeah. So, you know, to answer that question, we usually look at various ratios to look at how capital are efficiently used, right? And if you guys want to kind of refresher on, refresher on it, we recorded an episode on that, so go check that out. But um, you know, in this particular industry, right? This, as you talked about, Hari, this is a capital-intensive business that usually takes on a lot of debt, which means that you have to look at you have to look at ratios that takes that into account, right? So if you look at cap, return on equity, for example, it, it doesn't really paint the full picture. It's misleading indicator of of if capital efficiency so what we want to look at here is either capital return on capital employed or return on invested capital and i looked at return on invested capital here and you're getting about eight percent about eight percent right so since 2015 to 2019 return on return on invested capital has been roughly around eight percent so that's where you're looking at there about about eight percent
1: Okay, so an eight percent, to be clear, is about the return you would get in the index. So an index fund is a, uh, you know, it has historically gotten you between eight and ten percent. So for a return on capital of eight percent, we're not looking at a great uh, return here, right? Um, and I, I think that's worth noting because, you know, that that kind of highlights: is this a long-term business or is this more of a value play, right? And so you know, obviously, we haven't even talked about valuation yet, uh, but we would need to take into account the fact that this business doesn't grow very fast um, so the things that we would really need to look out for are how do they return their money back to their shareholders, and um you know how does that um impact or 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 is the valuation cheap enough that we'll get a good deal if we were to buy this okay, yeah. So moving on to the next part of our uh, next section of our uh, checklist around the financials, Um, does the company have enough cash to maintain its business? Um, You know, and I I think of particular importance right now is if revenue is drying up and they're, they're not able to run cruise ships for a month, two months, three months, do they have enough cash to keep, you know, the business going to pay their employees to, maintain the ships while they're in dock, etc.
0: Yeah. So maybe I can start with some ratios. So debt-to-equity ratio is about 45%. So debt-to-equity ratio, about 45%. And you're talking about current ratio of about 22%. So those are kind of high-level description of the current state of affairs in terms of the balance sheet. If you look at what is coming in terms of debt, so when do they have to pay the maturities of their debt? Uh, in 2020, so this year they have um, 1.8 billion dollars due this year. So I mean that is, uh, you know that that is something that that is very not- noteworthy here, right? So uh, 1.8 billion due this year, 2021 next year, 1.9 billion due 2020. 2022 1.3 billion due, so on and so forth total one point or in total long-term debt, uh l- long-term uh debt about about 11 billion dollars
1: and how much of that debt is covered right now just with cash on the balance sheet how much do they have
0: so cash on the balance sheet straight up just cash hard cash you're talking about again, this is before they draw they drew out uh, they tapped into so maybe take taking a step back they recently tapped into their credit facility um, and they raised more cash to 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 uh, handle these short term uh liquidity issues before that, what they had on the balance sheet in November thirtieth uh, two thousand nineteen they have they had about five million five hundred million dollars up cash 500 million dollars and just to reiterate 2020 they have uh 1.8 billion dollars due
1: okay um so we saw that they have 11 billion dollars in debt that's what you mentioned was long term uh what was the you know what what so you know to put this in perspective you know how does that um com- compare to their free cash flow how much free cash flow do they generate and is that um you know how how long would it take them to pay off that debt with just their free cash flow prior to the cor- yeah. coronavirus
0: yeah so again prior to the coronavirus the kind of ratio that we like to look at is 3 right so you you must be able to pr- you must be able to pay off all of your debt with free cash flow within 3 years so debt divided by free cash flow should be below 3 or equal to 3 that's what we're looking for in this case, you're talking about 164 for 2019 in 2018, four, 2017, 3, 2016, 4. So there was a huge spike in 2019 because, because there was a huge CapEx expense. So they took out basically money that came in from that um, uh, cash flow from operation was about 5.4, 5.5 billion dollars. capital expenditure was 5.4. So really didn't have a lot left. So that's why it went through the roof. But overall, you're looking at around, you know, if if you kind of smooth the curve um, of this anomaly year of 2019, you're looking at around four, four to three. Right? It's more like four.
1: So that 5.4 billion, you know, that was pre, you know, unaffected by the uh, the cash flow, uh, or unaffected by coronavirus. So with 5.4 billion in uh, free cash, how much are they gonna be um, able to pay off? You know, th- they would have easily been able to pay off the 1.8 billion. Um, mm-hmm. But now it's looking like, you know, we have to kind of get into how long is this kind of thing gonna kind of play out and does that gonna affect? Uh, so do you have any insight onto that right now? I, I guess a lot of people don't at this point, so it may be hard to judge.
0: Yeah, I think it's very hard to judge. It's so dynamic, the situation, right? The CapEx with the CapEx of 5.4. Now you're looking at, you know, potentially delayed in delivery of the new boats that they ordered. Um, you know, do they even want it now at this point? Like, There's a lot of moving parts right now. Um, but kind of going back to your original question of can they handle the debt load? I think it's I think it's, it's a yes. Especially given the fact that it is an asset heavy business they have credit facility that they tapped into, they can borrow against their existing asset base. by the way they uh, if you look at their balance sheet um, property plan equipment uh, thirty 38 billion dollars on their books so that's accumulation of all of their assets, mostly boats ships um, 38 billion dollars so they could they could you know easily tap into that as a as a collateral. Um, just a side note that's been kind of interesting um, is that boats in the accounting rules they depreciate uh, all the way down to 15% and 15% is the, the base and they depreciate for 30 years uh, so, so do they, obviously with the balance yeah go do, ahead
1: do they mention how old the fleet is? Uh,
0: not 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 by no i don't i don't think so um, not that i've seen but one thing i do want to say about that is i was actually kind of surprised because i thought you know cruise line industry you buy a boat and then you kind of use the hell out of it <laughs> you know you just drain as much as possible extract every ounce but what i've seen in this company is that there is a lot of activity of buying new boats selling old ones away renovating there's a lot of activity with their cap, with their, uh, asset base.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. it, I, I guess it depends on, you know, how, if it's, if the depreciation is straight, uh, it so is linear. Yeah. If it's a linear depreciation that there may be a price point at which they may be able to sell the boat at a higher price point, get more value out of it, and then use that money to then, you know, plus the depreciation expense that they're now, uh, that was allocated against earnings is now a you know as non-cash item, they go and buy a new boat, you know, essentially. So yeah. which makes sense. I mean, I, I think you know, when you're doing asset-heavy businesses, like you look at Southwest, they have very new fleets, um, and they tend to not run older planes because of fuel efficiency and you know, lots of other factors, where some of the other airlines are running older fleets and they have different um you know different lifespans on some of these aircraft, and so. Maintenance parts, etc., may get more expensive as the boat gets older. Um, you may have fewer uh, part manufacturers for those parts, so the bright parts may get expensive. Uh, and then there's there may be expertise around maintaining maintaining the boat, too, that you know gets lost over time. So you you kind of want to have a younger fleet. Plus, you know, if, if you're taking a vacation, you don't want to be on an older yeah. boat, right? You want to be on the the nice shiny new thing with. Wi Fi in every room and all that stuff, right? So you want to have the nicer amenities. So um, you may sell it to somebody when you can get a better price. And the interesting thing is, what is the market for this going to be for these giant expensive assets? If they were to need to sell them to pay off Mm -hmm. the debt, um, you know, or take more collateral, you know, is the bank going to, to value them the same, you know, if you know they're not as useful right so yeah
0: that's a that's a that's a yeah that's something that is important to consider i think um not because I, I i do want to add that nuance to it the fact that not all asset businesses are easy to borrow money against because of these outstanding issues depending on the market the current situation might not deem it as 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 worthy as before for example
1: Right and a bank may not want to i mean you know they own all these assets they know what the value of these things are um you know selling this asset you know is maybe difficult for them to do, especially in this economy, so loaning may be more of a problem so anyway we'll we'll move on to the uh the next part of this and um you know the 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 interesting thing that we talked about at the beginning of this episode was. This is a low return on capital business, right? So one of the things that we really want to find out before we even evaluate management, if at all, do we need to even man- evaluate management is what are they doing with the 5.4 billion in uh, cash free cash flow? Are they doing share buybacks, um, or are they uh, doing dividends in a timely fashion, you know, when their price is- stock price is expensive? Are they buying back shares? or are they buying it when it's low, et cetera?
0: Yeah. So from that perspective, um, if you look at their dividend payments, so let me just say this. So if you, as you and I both know that we like companies that does, that does smart, timely stock purchase programs, right? We, we, We like that a lot as shareholders. We like companies that are purchasing stocks, their own stocks, in a timely opportunistic fashion instead of, instead of paying out dividend or buying stocks when the stock price is too high, right? Two alternatives we don't right. like. If you look at this company, if you look at no amount of money that re- that is returned to shareholders via dividend is consistently higher uh, than the amount of money that they use for stock buyback. So, if you sum up the previous ten years for dividend payment and ten years of stock buyback, you are talking about nine, about ten billion dollars returned to shareholders through dividend payments, and about five point eight, so six billion dollars returned to shareholders via stock purchase programs, repurchase program.
1: So that's a total of how much? Fifteen billion. About
0: fifteen billion. For the past 10 years, that's uh, that's the okay. that's the amount of money that we, that we end up with, yeah.
1: So 1.5 billion is essentially going to um, per year roughly, uh, and the other 3 to 4 billion is actually, I guess, going back into the, to buy new boats, to maintain boats, et mm-hmm. Yeah so that that's the problem with the heavy asset heavy business right is that their their cash flow is being spent on just maintaining yeah. their fleet right and that's that was that's always the fear right is that this is a very uh capital intensive business so you're going to see a yeah. lot of um money being put back into the business instead of being sent away yeah. to shareholders so 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 far, nothing really strikes me about this business as a long-term play,
0: right? I, yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. Um, for me, at least, like you want to look at obviously top line, top line growth, bottom line, uh, bottom line growth, cash flow growth, and then also uh, you know return on capital, uh, capital employed, or return invested capital, capital efficiency ratios. All of those don't really check out.
1: Yeah, and so what we're really looking for here is: are they cheap? On a valuation basis, significant enough to make this more like a a one time play rather than a buy and hold. Yeah. So let's look at um, your valuation and let's get a let's get a number uh, down, and then we'll see what the what how that compares to the current stock. Yeah. Price.
0: So one thing I do want to mention. So obviously discounted cash flow, you want to start with initial cash flow of the previous year, but because you had this outstanding year not outstanding meaning like great but um a, a, a normal year in terms of capital expenditure uh the free cash flow was kind of skewed so i averaged out the past three years of free cash flow to set as the initial okay okay so i did that and here it is where it gets tricky because as you guys all know this kind of cash flow depends heavily, heavily on growth rates that you assume that you put into the calcul- calculus, right? So, growth rate—the first, you know, first three years—I said, again, the, my guess is as as good as yours. Um, I said negative thirty percent, and then next, you know, next four to four to six years, it comes back to about five percent, which is what they what they said, right? That's the kind of the, the growth of the entire industry, about five percent, five to six percent, and then tailing down to about three percent on year seven to 10. And then as usual, we use discount rate of 10 percent. And if you do the discounted cash flow analysis, you get about 6.37. 6.3, uh, right now, at the time of this recording, the share price is, is trading at around eight, eight dollars and50 cents. Uh, and we got 6.7 about six about seven again i, I just want to highlight this one once more this heavily depends on the assumptions right the growth rate that we put into the calculation the first one to three years i i said negative 30 percent it could be high it could be low i i don't know but just kind of that's what i put into the calculation it's hard to tell with the coronavirus at this point right
1: Yeah, I I think one thing that is interesting about this and I think is a lot of people will probably come to this business because of the price to earnings ratio or some other factor that's very, very cheap, right? The price to earnings right now, obviously, this is based on their trailing price to earnings. Um, The P.E. ratio is like three, a little above three, right, which is insanely cheap. And their dividend is around 20, 24 percent or so. Um, you know, they're they're paying about $2 a share in dividends. So, you know, if you were to buy this and then just collect cash forever from this business, you could potentially get 24% uh, uh, yield, um, assuming that they're able to maintain that dividend, right? So there is certainly something very interesting about that concept, right? So, you know, they, you said that they are paying out about a billion dollars in dividends right now. And if that $1.8 billion comes due, you know, would they have to suspend the dividend or potentially cancel it for a year um or permanently just to pay off you know, this the 1.8 and then they would resume the dividend in the future, right? And at that point, you know, we bought it at such a cheap price that our um, you know, because we, we always talk about free cash flow, cash flow makes a lot of sense for a lot of ongoing businesses, right? but you're looking at a business that is trading that has been able to generate almost $3 a share in earnings. Right. And it, um, you know, has traded as high as $50 a share in the last year or in the last 12 months. So when you look at it from that perspective, it looks, certainly looks cheap. Right. And I I would argue that $51 a share is way too expensive for this company. Right. But 15 or $20 a share is not unreasonable for a, or even twenty five dollars a share is not unreasonable for a slow growing you know business. and what we're paying right now is a third of that, right So from that perspective, there is a significant margin of safety, right? And then when you look at it that they have five point eight billion dollars in is their market cap, but their balance sheet has a enormous um you know uh you know they have thirty something thirty eight billion dollars in assets. They obviously have a lot of debt there too, right? But from a price to book ratio, you know, how does how do you see that as being that that is pretty cheap also?
0: Yeah, right? let's take a look. So equity equity about twenty five billion dollars. Right. Just straight up yeah and the, the yeah go ahead.
1: Yeah and so the pr- price to book is around two point two point three, you know somewhere in yeah. that range. Right. So that, that is a significant discount to um you know, and if, you, if you're, if you so our our real concern is, right, if we look at this as, let's forget 2020, let's say they have a huge loss, whatever, right? In 2021, right, things start to pick up, they recover, maybe they're not quite back to 2019 earnings, right? But I would imagine that the stock price would be cheap enough today to warrant, let's say a dollar in earnings next year, right? if we model that as our scenario right and i'm not i'm using this number not scientifically i'm just saying a number um you know if we assume that it'll take a, a full year to recover and you know by summer 2021 the business starts picking up right which is their heavy season you know it's it's potentially this is a very very cheap business right from that perspective so our real concern here has nothing to do with anything other than Can they pay off the debt that is going to be coming due this year and next? Right. I mean, do you think that that. First of all, is that a reasonable thesis, right? Can they pay off the debt? Uh, Is that what we we should only be focused on? Or is there going to be long term headwinds in the cruise ship industry going for the next five years?
0: Oh, man. Um, I think those two are actually I think those two questions are both important to to answer. So in a very short term, this year and next year, are they able to survive? And I think to that question, I would say yes. I would say I would say pretty pretty confidently yes, they would be able to survive that storm. On the second point of kind of in the med- in the intermediate term, within the next five years, will their business be able to bounce back up to where it is today or potentially a little bit lower, but still bounce back up today? I think yes. Um I think, yes. Uh, so I, I think those two questions are both important for our discussion.
1: OK, so so going into that, we think that they, they'll survive. They'll be able to cover this uh, upcoming debt um, and that they may, may be able to cut some of their maintenance expenditures, move things around. Maybe it'll make it work um, You know, for next year. They'll probably still have some free cash flow this year, even though um, but it'll be you know it'll probably be a big hit uh to their their business. So the real question that I have is if they can survive for a whole year, right? Because at this point the business is being priced as if they're going into bankruptcy. Um so we need to find out if indeed that they would go into bankruptcy um which I don't think is going to happen, right? As as we've talked about, they have enough assets to pay things down, you know, they could sell enough boats to pay $1.8 billion, right? And you said that they've drawn down how much off
0: of their credit facility? So About, let me just double check so I don't give you the wrong number. Uh, Give me one second.
1: Yeah, so the the idea here is that we're going to take the credit facility plus the $500 million that they had on cash, then the potential that they have $25 billion in equity that they could pay some you know amount down right so to to recover cash and then you know pay 1.8 billion right so in a, in a in a disaster scenario they'd still be able to pay down their 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 debts yeah. right so yeah so how much would how did how much did they pull so, down on the credit so facility? they
0: have so it doesn't so my note doesn't say whether they actually pull down on the credit facility but they have available through their line 3 billion dollars Okay, so they have three billion dollars ready to deploy, ready to pull, whenever they want. And that expires in 2024. So the facility is available until 2024.
1: Okay, so and they if they haven't drawn drawn it down, they may be okay. Right? Their their thought process maybe we don't even need to draw down on
0: potentially. I, I haven't looked at current use. Most of my analysis was just done through the SEC filings. Uh Pre- previous year SEC filings, I'm not sure if they if they have uh, currently.
1: Okay, so yeah, what we are we are kind of looking at right now is almost a, um. You know, this is an asset play. This is a you know a cheap based on metrics that you know are their ability to generate earnings is much higher than their current price, right? Relative to their current price so you are buying a business that you could essentially get um dividend payments for uh you know to pay you pay you back they haven't announced anything about suspending the dividend um so there's a potential here for a very high rate of return just by holding the stock mm-hmm. right and then you know getting a dividend uh, forever so we would have to also consider you know would they need to suspend the dividend um you know, long-term typically companies don't suspend and restart. They cancel it altogether and then have no plans to restart it until they make another announcement. But a business like this, which is not generating a whole lot of uh, growth is going to return cash back to their shareholders somehow. Right. And you, you would also think if business management were savvy, if the stock price stays as low as it is in a year or two or three, that they would also go back and say, buy back their shares, right? So there's definitely ways that they can boost the share price and pay us back with dividends because the price is so mm-hmm. low right now.
0: What One, I, I would say maybe one point, one data point that could help us answer that question regarding the dividend payment at least is if we look at 2018 number, 2018, uh, uh, sorry. Um, yeah, tw- uh, not 2018, 2008, tw- 2009 numbers, the dividend yeah. payment at 2017 before you yeah, know shit hit the fan was about a billion dollars, and then it came crashing down, and they didn't they never suspended it. It was hovering at around 300 to 300 to 200 million dollars in dividend payment still. Um, but they did, interestingly enough, they did raise a little bit more, a little bit money by increasing their share count, so floating a little bit more money. Uh, their share out in the open market they raise about eight eight million twelve million um, but and to answer your question about dividend payments they have, they have ever since ever since um two thousand uh, or nineteen ninety five dividend payment never stopped
1: so i mean that's good to good good evidence that they they would probably continue it they may cut it in half or they may lower it. Um, because their outlay of, of for dividends is pretty high, right? Yeah. Um, they probably have one and a half billion. Is you know is how much they're paying out. So let's say that even then they cut it in half, you're still getting a twelve percent return. Yeah. I, right. If they cut it by
0: yeah, I, I would say they might cut it much more drastically. Um, if just looking at just looking back into the history, right? So twenty eighteen. It was around, or 28, 2008, I keep saying 2018. 2008, $1. about $1 billion in dividend payment. They chopped it by a third and even more by, by, um, by one fourth, one third, one fourth. So I imagine they would kind of do something quite similar here. Dividend payment was 1.4 last year. So if they slash it by, I don't know, fifth this time or sixth, you know, um, that could be totally within the realm of possibilities.
1: So let's say that they cut it by 75 percent, you know, it drops down to 50 cents a share um, from two dollars a share. Even in that scenario, you're still getting a six and a half percent dividend payment. Let alone the the share price, and then if the dividend recur- returns to its former glory, you know, in the future, you're still going to get a very high rate of return, yep. right? So those kind of deals, you know, often only come when there's a big recession, there's a big you know hit, right? So the real the real question for all of us is, are they are they going to be able to survive, you know, and stay out of bankruptcy, mm-hmm. right? And I think we both feel comfortable that even in the financial crisis, right, I, I think that the interesting thing about the coronavirus is not, you know, the financial crisis affected all spectrums of, of business, you know, all socioeconomic spectrums. Um, the unfortunate thing about this is that the coronavirus is having a heavy impact on hourly workers, wage, you know, you know laborers that are working in retail, workers that are, um, Uh, White collar, or I'm sorry, blue collar workers who have can't work from home. You know they have to go into a factory. They have to go in, and although those people are going to carnival, um, you know, on their lower uh, tier um, services, the higher tier is not going to be as affected by this, right? People who are able to, you know, work from home, they're not impacted by by this, so they're going to definitely take a hit. but it'll be interesting to see how their luxury business maintains itself. I'm sure it will take a hit too, but it may not be as big as, um, you know, the lower tier groups. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so I, I think there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff here to talk about. Right. And I think the, um, the main thing that we, you know, as value investors are looking for is this is not a long-term play, but, at this price point there I think is a significant margin of safety built into their asset base, right? Um, that allows us to, um, you know, to collateralize their assets if they need cash uh, to pay any of their debts down, mm-hmm. right? They could conceivably sell their entire fleet today, pay off their loans and have another $12 billion to disperse to shareholders, right? So. There's a significant margin of safety from that perspective. Um, that I think that they would be able to survive through this, um, even if the coronavirus stretches through the summer, right? Which I, I think we're not expecting it to do that. So
0: yeah, it's definitely very different play, right? Very, very different play than what we're used to, what we like. Uh, for me personally, you know, I like businesses that are excellent businesses even if i have to pay a little bit more i'd like to own those things this is a totally different play and you know even within kind of the cigar butt type of model you know you're looking at kind of a slightly different angle looking at dividend payments as a way to extract value out of this company um, in addition to stock yep. price uh, elevation uh, in the future
1: yeah all right, well I think we've covered this one um, you know if you would like to talk about carnival cruise lines with Beck or myself or anybody else on the uh, um, on the slack channel you can send us an email uh, info at valueinvestor.org, and we can invite you um, and if you want to look at our checklist uh, send us that uh, email to info at valueinvestor.org. we're happy to share it with you um, and you know we're we're very excited to you know keep uh, Keep this going. Um, have conversations with people. Share as much of our knowledge as we can. Um, and you know, these are interesting times for everybody. Um, you know, stay safe. But uh, if you're you've got some extra money to spend, this is a good time to um, look at the market and find you know good deals. So um, you know, come come learn from us. And uh, you know, we have a nice long backlog of things at this point to explain the basics as well as get you up to speed and. Think about companies. So, uh, send us an email uh, if you'd like to get those um, checklists or on the Slack channel. But then go back and you know episodes one through about thirty or so have uh, a lot of the basics of value investing covered. So, uh, all right, anything else to add, Becco?
0: No, definitely uh, it was interesting. Thank you so much for sending us this request. Um, good opportunity for me to look into this uh, cruise line industry and specifically Carnival is great so keep that coming all right guys thanks a lot um and we'll talk to you later thank you